Hi, this is Jeff Richards from Japan This Week. We'll dive into news in just a moment, but first, I know that if you are listening to this podcast, you're interested in Japan, and perhaps you might be interested in living and working here. Well, here's a little information you might find useful. Our sister site, Gaijin Pot, has job listings open to people from all over the world, so if you're interested in working in Japan, you can check it out at jobs.gaijinpot.com. But for now, let's dive into this week's headlines. Japanese government approved a plan to legally ban parents and guardians from physically punishing children. No actual penalties for the offenders, though. Sadly, a very messy divorce as an American man was arrested for fatally stabbing his Japanese wife in the neck at a family court. In what sounds like another Terminator prequel, Japan plans to back a resolution in the UN opposing the creation of killer robots. A former mayor in Hyogo Prefecture who quit last month over abusive language he directed at another council member has been re-elected. The author of Invisible Man, Ralph Ellison, visited Japan in 1957, a few years after his iconic novel was published. While here, he felt just that, invisible. That in Japan Yesterday. All this plus Japan Today readers' comments and commentary, so stick around. Hi, and welcome to Japan This Week, a quick recap of stories we've been following on the Japan Today website. It's Friday, March 22nd, 2019. I'm Jeff Richards. Thanks for joining us, and let's get right to some of our top headlines. In national news, our first story, it's not the most shocking or action-packed, but it certainly has caught the public's attention here, and for very good reason. In response to a spate of child abuse cases, some resulting in death, the Japanese government this week approved a plan to legally ban parents and other guardians from physically punishing children. The government aims to pass a bill revising the child abuse prevention law during the ongoing diet session and put most of the amended laws into force by April of next year. The Japanese diet is the governing upper house, for those of you wondering what that is. It should be noted there will be no penalties put forth for offenders. But under the envisioned changes, parents, foster parents, and welfare workers would be prohibited from physically punishing children as a means of discipline. The planned amendment would also seek to strengthen the ability of child welfare centers to intervene in abuse cases by separating staff members in charge of taking children into protective custody from those dealing with their guardians. Efforts to tackle child abuse through legal changes gathered momentum following the death in Tokyo's Meguro Award last March of five-year-old Yua Funato, who left desperate pleas for her parents to forgive her and to stop mistreating her. And you might remember that from our reporting on the Japan This Week podcast. Heartbreaking news to read. As well, there was another high-profile abuse case confirmed in Noda, Chiba Prefecture, just this past January. In both of these cases... The parents, who were later arrested, did not think that their behavior was actually abuse. The child welfare centers temporarily put the children into protective custody, but failed to protect their lives in the face of the parents' rejection of their efforts to intervene. 
the law revisions would introduce confidentiality obligations to schools, education boards, and child welfare centers after a copy of a note Mia wrote to alert her school about her abuse was actually passed on to her father by a local education board. The revelation that she had made such a plea is thought to have aggravated the father's violence. The revisions also call for the establishment of more child consultation centers. Japan Today readers are divided on this subject in particular. Old Man 13 calls the government's plan ridiculous, another knee-jerk reaction to something that has nothing to do with proper discipline of children. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Reader Concerned Citizen comments, Physical discipline should be avoided as much as possible and used as a last resort after reasonable explanation and warnings. However, there are times when some children will not respond to these and mild and controlled physical punishment, such as a smack or swat on the covered bottom, are needed. I don't necessarily think I agree with that one, but uh, let's move on here. Strangerland adds, I got spanked and I don't think it harmed me per se, but it's ineffective parenting. Nowhere else in life do we say that violence is an acceptable method of dealing with an inability to communicate. We also tell our kids not to hit others. Going on to then hit your kid sends conflicting signals. It says violence to those smaller than you is an appropriate way of dealing with problems. That's counterproductive. Well, I agree with that one. I, I don't think you can hit somebody and then say don't hit people. What do you think? Visit the story or reach out to us at podcast at japantoday.com to let us know your thoughts. In crime, a rather shocking story coming out this week that, quite frankly, provides more questions than answers. Police have arrested an American man on suspicion of fatally stabbing his Japanese wife at a court where they were to settle their divorce. The man, identified only as a 32-year-old U.S. citizen, no mention of a name or employment or anything like that, stabbed the wife in the neck near a security check at the entrance to the Tokyo Family Court on Wednesday afternoon. The victim, identified as 31-year-old Kyoko Wilson, was taken to hospital but later died. Her husband fled and was caught in nearby Hibia Park. When he was captured, he had three knives and bottles containing a fluid thought to be gasoline on him. He had cut his wrists and was then taken to hospital. Witnesses said they saw the suspect sitting on a bench in the lobby of the court building just before his wife arrived. Now, his wife had told police in August that her husband was mentally unstable and that she had moved to Saitama Prefecture. Again, these are the only details that we have right now, but an ongoing story it is. What do Japan Today readers think? Asia Man 7 says, Japan's system of divorce and the terminal separation of child and parent, usually the father that often sears the heart of a loving caregiver, unfortunately drives some to engage in horrific acts. Okay, I don't know uh, what this comment has to do sort of with this story. There are no children mentioned, but moving on. Yildere adds, The story isn't clear if kids were involved, but I'd argue she was absolutely right to keep him away from them if this is the kind of man that he is. Okay, once again, there's not enough details in the story as it is. I'm not sure what all this conjecture in the comments is about children because there are no children mentioned in the story at all. 
You know, this is an interesting story. There is shockingly little information in this piece as it's been put out. Uh, I gotta say, maybe they've put it out because it's a slow news week. Uh, maybe they had an editorial meeting and, and tried to come up with all the information. No, we can't name the man. No, we can't name his job. We can't say his employment. We can't tell if there's children. We can say the victim's name, however, and with nothing else to report, if it bleeds, it leads, is probably how this one came out. Anyways, it is a shocking story in that it happened right at a family court. I wish that we had more information to give you. What do you think? Why don't you visit the story on Japan Today or send us a comment to podcast at japantoday.com and let us know. Well, in national news, do you remember those killer robots in the Terminator movies deployed by Skynet, the ones that started wiping us out? Well, Science fiction is fast becoming science fact, and there are international efforts underway to regulate the development of lethal weapons controlled by artificial intelligence. Japan, which is known for its robotics industry, plans to give its backing to regulations at a UN conference in Geneva next week. The Japanese government was already opposed to the development of so-called killer robots that could kill without any human involvement, but it had called for careful discussions when it comes to rules so as to make sure that commercial development of AI would not be hampered. Some African, European, and Latin American countries have been active in seeking a prohibition of AI-equipped weapons. Global discussions have not yet yielded a consensus as the United States, Russia, and other countries, hmm, China, are reluctant. Not surprising. Well, let's hear from Japan Today readers. SilvaFan thinks it's kind of scary that we even need to consider something like this. It is kind of scary. I kind of agree with that. Zato is a good though. Nice name, by the way. Says, if governments are this concerned, that might mean that technology has advanced further than us average Joes can think. And Bruce Wilde's view is, one big mistake in developing new weapons could change life as we know it, and a major problem with these weapons is who controls them. Today, many governments are becoming more totalitarian and Orwellian, which means they may eventually be used to control populations. Killer robots are now just another part of the new arms race. Well, wow, just reading these comments and delivering that story makes me think, yeah, things are getting a little crazy. Do killer robots populate your nightmares? Let us know at podcast at japantoday.com. Well, in politics this week, who says that nasty language won't help get your point across? The former mayor of Akashi City in Hyogo Prefecture, who quit last month over his abuse of language towards a senior official, was re-elected on March 17th, beating two other candidates. Fusaho Izumi, 55, stepped down after being criticized for verbally attacking the city official and telling him to burn down a local building out of frustration that it prevented the completion of a road project. Izumi ran against Hiroto Kitaguchi, 53, a Hyogo prefectural assemblyman and a former mayor of the town, who was affiliated with no real party, and Michio Shimachi, 71, a former prefectural assembly member from the Japanese Communist Party. Izumi will only serve until late April, when his original term ends, at which point another mayoral election will be held, and he's indicated he'll run again in that. Kitaguchi called the latest election a waste of taxpayers' money, while Izumi 
campaigned on his child care policy that had proven popular enough for civic groups to petition him to run despite the scandal. Izumi was forced to resign on February 2nd and apologized for his remarks. Last June, frustrated with the slow progress of road construction, Izumi also called the senior official in charge of negotiations over relocations of the buildings a moron. Prior to his re-election, Izumi said he had started to study anger management, or at least was watching the movies, I hope. How did Japan Today readers react? Cricky quips, you'd have to vote for him, or he'd burn your house down. On the other hand, Beer Delivery Guy's view is, if the people like him over other candidates, I think he deserves a second chance. What he said was obviously a joke and was said in private situation where a degree of privacy and confidentiality would be expected. If you think other politicians don't have angry rants behind closed doors, I have a bridge for sale. I'm not sure if he's talking about this story, but I do have to make a slight correction to beer delivery guy. These weren't said behind closed doors. I think this guy was ranting perfectly well in public, probably in front of cameras and microphones as well, too. So I wonder if this guy's just imitating what's happening in U.S. politics right now. We finished this week's program with the latest in author Patrick Parr's Japan Yesterday series, chronicling famous people who visited Japan in the past. This time, Patrick looks at the 1957 visit to Japan of American Ralph Waldo Ellison, author of The Incendiary Invisible Man, a novel published in 1952 that attempted to breathe fire into the faces of American readers and awaken them from what Ellison called their unchecked racist ignorance. On September 2, 1957, Ellison attended a Tokyo conference filled with 170 poets, playwrights, editors, essayists, and novelists from 24 countries, but he wasn't yet well known. Invisible Man may have been a literary lightning strike in the United States, but in 1957 Japan, the racial conflict in the U.S. was only just beginning to be discussed. Between fulfilling his duties as part of the American pen contingent and dodging miserable weather, Ellison managed to find time to do some sightseeing. During his trip, he wrote home to his wife Fanny that Japan simply takes you over with its unique beauty. I'd love to stay a year. For Ellison, the two weeks he spent in Japan was re-energizing. He and Fanny were going through tough times, according to Ellison biographer Arnold Rampersad. For the past two years, Ellison had been employed as a fellow at the American Academy in Rome, Italy, but had grown tired of his routine and Italian culture in general. Writing post-trip to perhaps his best friend, novelist Alfred Murray, Ellison revealed how much he'd fallen for Japan. Japan was so exciting that if I could go back tomorrow, I'd leap. They're an efficient people, which is always a pleasure to encounter after these slack-assed Romans, and damn near everything they touch takes on beautiful form. He called Kyoto the most beautiful city he'd seen so far in Japan. Ellison would soon leave Japan and travel to India and Pakistan before returning to New York City and resuming his life as a sought-after lecturer and social critic. In 1958, a year after his trip, a translation of Invisible Man was finally published in Japan. Next month, Patrick will take a look at author John Hersey's 1946 trip to a recovering Hiroshima and the subsequent book he wrote about it. Japan Today reader One Glenn found it a very enjoyable article. Looking forward to reading the rest in the series. If I may, I would say that I disagree with Mr. Ellison's judgment of the Romans. They have an intense love of life, a wonderful sense of humor, and an appreciation of the irony in life. I do not understand someone who would judge Romans so harshly. 
Well, thank you one, Glenn. I appreciate your comments on the series. As for the Romans, you know, maybe just take it as a part of the irony of life. And that was a quick recap of the news from Japan This Week for this Friday, March 22nd, 2019. Thanks to the Japan Today editors for curating this week's stories. Thanks to Kamasami Kong for his production help. And thanks to you, all of our listeners, for continuing to tune in. You can find links to all of the news mentioned in this podcast in the show notes. And since news from Japan never stops, you can, and you should, visit the Japan Today website anytime at japantoday.com. Or follow us on Twitter at at japantoday for all of the breaking stories. Check us out on Instagram at japantodaynews. Help us out by sharing the JTW podcast with others who are interested in Japan's current events. You can get Japan This Week on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Get it at any podcast store. From the Japan Today newsroom at G Plus Media in Tokyo, I'm Jeff Richards, and join us again next week with a quick recap of Japan's biggest and smallest stories. Sayonara, folks. Sayonara, folks.